Hello, I'm Wanda Boker, and this is Save the World Every Day, a podcast dedicated to choices we make every day to address the big problems that feel out of our control, but keep us up late at night. Save the World Every Day is a conversation about what we can do as individuals and as a community to tackle the problems that are most important to us. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Check out our sister blog by the same name at savetheworldeveryday.com. My guests today are George and Tyler Buck, father and son, both born, raised, and live in the lovely small town of Havre de Grace, Maryland. Our question for discussion is, can small towns teach us something about unity in our country? We see and hear a lot these days about how polarized we are as a nation, and those divisions do feel like they're getting worse, whether it's politically, economically, or socially. But living in Havre de Grace, a town of roughly 14,000 people, feels different from what I see on the news. And it feels different from any other place I've lived, primarily in large cities. Here, neighbors talk with each other, even if they have different political signs in their front yards. And people seem united in their love for the town and in wanting to connect as a community. George, when my husband and I saw you and your wife during our daily walk last week, you pointed to every house around us and mentioned who used to live there with first and last names. You sounded like you were talking about family members, but you weren't. They were your former teachers, friends, friends of your parents. I can tell you that before moving to Habit of Grace, I didn't know the first and last names of my neighbors anywhere. And I can't remember the names of most of my teachers either. I was impressed. I went home that evening wondering if you and Tyler and others who grew up and stayed in small towns can teach the rest of us something about unity, about remembering that we're all in this life together. I'm so glad you agreed to be here today. George and Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Wanda. Pleasure to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, Yes, sir. I got to correct you about one thing. I was okay. born in Havity Grace. Oh, you were? Yeah, I'm, I was born here. Dad and my mom got divorced. So I raised most primarily in Baltimore and then moved back here. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I spent week, you know, weekends, you know, the typical father stuff. Weekends. Uh-huh. And and so forth. in growing up, did you feel as a kid any difference uh, in, the, in being in Baltimore and being in Havity Grace the way kids played with each other or the way people interacted? What What's the kids' vision of that difference? Well, I guess it's, it's a little different because I had a brother. So when I would come up here, my brother and I would just kind of play together. Our age, you know, they already had their group of friends and it's tough to break in if you're only here. Yeah, there was less, certainly less pressure to be cool. I mean, <laughs> I used to, coming up here to have an area, I, I could care less, you know, but back home, I, I actually cared but up here, I didn't have to worry about that because Dad thought I was cool anyway. So. <laughs> oh, he, he, he was wonderfully cool. <laughs> My circumstances weren't weren't normal. Oh, got it. George, there, there must be something here because both of you live here. You've decided either you decided to stay here or you actually decided to move here from Baltimore. In your mind, what does Habit of Grace offer you? Well, I've had that question answered, asked me before, and my answer is one word, memories. I grew up here. I went to the school one through 12 with the same people. That's how I knew people who lived here because you know the kids. Then you meet their parents. You know their parents. 
And then just from being around town, I grew up a lot differently than my grandchildren are. Life then, to me, you're seeing it now through the eyes of an 8, 9, 10, 12, 13-year-old. It was a lot less complicated. You know, in the summertime, you get up in the morning, you get your ball glove, your bat, you leave. You go out, and there's always a game somewhere. <laughs> and you had no problem finding a game of baseball. And a lot of the childhood, any guy in town will tell you, was on that river. You know, I had a rowboat. I had to row every place I went. Okay. That sounds great. But coming from someone who moved around a lot, if those people don't vote the same way you vote, if they took a girlfriend from you in the ninth grade, whatever, how do you how do you stay friends with them? Well, why not? I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's the alternative? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never had anybody do me any wrong. If somebody's stealing my girlfriend from me, I just find another one. Uh-huh. You know, okay. I mean, you know, you're very insular here because having the grades at the time when I grew up basically stopped at, you know, where Meadowvale Elementary School is. And I didn't pay attention to politics. I try not to now. I maintain that I've told Ty this, that we had too much news. I had 15 minutes of news a day on the television. That was it. And the guy's name was John Cameron Swayze. If you want to look him up on YouTube, he's still there. <laughs> but that's what I say. It was a lot less complicated. I mean, we didn't have the internet. Most of the time you pick up the telephone and you knew the operators at the other end. Has politics changed your longtime friendships over the last five years? Uh, generally, we don't talk about it, but I could care less if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I mean, for instance, I'm a Republican. And I'm very disgusted with the Republican Party right now. In my judgment, you got two types of Republicans. Those that have their lips planted firmly on Donald Trump's derriere and those that don't. But we do talk. Dad and I agree on most political stuff. Yeah. So, and we, as you know, we walk every morning, two and a half miles or so. So when it's just the two of us, we, we're able to, to vent to each other and be like, ah, did you hear what this idiot did? And blah, blah, blah. And we agree with each other. So it gives us an, uh, an outlet, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now, we walk on Tuesdays and Thursdays with my Aunt Helen, and she's of a different uh, political persuasion, I guess. And we kind of, if, if the conversation accidentally steers towards it, we kind of just step back, agree to disagree, and then talk about something pleasant or innocuous. But see, when I grew up, Wanda, I think one of the things is that it, it, it has occurred to me in my late adulthood that most of the fathers of the kids that I grew up with were veterans of World War II. They fought and died not as Democrats or Republicans, but Americans. They were in that era, you were an American first, then maybe you were a Democrat or Republican. And with 15 minutes of news a day, you didn't hear half the garbage that you hear now. You just had that 15 minutes. I didn't pay attention to it anyway. <laughs> and so it carries over now. I don't care what my friend's political views are. We never, we don't discuss them that much. When I go to the coffee shop, most of those kids that I sat down with, I went all through high school with, or all, school, all through school. You're the generation where your parents served in World War II, and you grew up having this sense of Ameri being an American before being in, in a political party. 
and even being a habit of before being a political party. But what do you think about your children? Do they grow up with the Do they have the same sense of community and habit of grace that you did? Or has it fractured a little bit? They don't bit? live here. I do. Oh, oh Ty does. No, right? yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, right next to you. Yeah, no, but <laughs> Ty does. But my, I have a daughter that lives on Green Street, and she moved from Baltimore City. Thoroughly loves it. She wouldn't <laughs> go back to Baltimore City now if you gave her a house. Um, it, it's just the atmosphere that she, she enjoys. She can walk downtown. She knows people. She goes into the shops. She knows the people into the shops, just like I do. You go into, you know, buy a donut or something. They know you. They know I like a donut with the most icing. I don't even ask. They just pick out the one with the most icing. And they'll tell me, we got birthday cake today. Because I like a piece of birthday cake. <laughs> you know, that's like <laughs> well, I can tell you from coming from Baltimore to here, the sense of community here, it's much, much uh, more cohesive. Uh -huh. uh, that, that's a double-edged sword. And that, you know, if you want it in, in a city the size of Havity Grace, it's a lot harder to maintain your anonymity. If you do something wrong, people are going to know about it. You got to show your face and you see the same people day in and day out. Whereas in Baltimore, you know, if I did something wrong, which I did quite often, <laughs> uh, I, there's some anonymity to it and especially before social media as big of a deal and in baltimore it's easier to avoid the feeling of community and like dad was saying walking down the street and waving to a car and having people beep at you and then you know you volunteer here and you pitch in and everybody's all the community is pitching in together you don't get that that in a big city or at least i didn't in baltimore now my dad was postmaster so if i messed up he'd hear about it so being in a small town keeps you on basically keeps you on your toes. You're you're on you have better behavior. You you're a better person almost because you, you know that you have to answer to people. Yeah. Well you're yeah. you're the same person and you did you, you you did your misbehaviors as kids, but your dad would know about it. The mailman would tell him. There is sort of a, an accountability in a small town to behave behavior okay, you know, pitch in when you can. Yeah, there's an accountability as you see these folks day in and day out. That that's my opinion. Whereas in, in a big city, you know, you're not as accountable to your neighbor because they're they're not long-term neighbor. You don't form the same bonds with the right. uh, with your pals. And yeah. so I guess if you had political fight with somebody, you couldn't let it get it out of control because the, you lose more in a relationship if you have a fallout in a small town than if you're yeah. in a big city. Yeah. The the citizens aren't as expendable in a small town as they are in a huge city. I can just go find a new friend in a big city, but now, uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or, you know, I'll just avoid this bar for a month and then, but in having grace, you know, you can't really avoid it. You can't get switch bars because you want to go to Coakley's. You just try to cross street to McGregor's. You're going to see the same people anyway. I personally feel an accountability to the citizens. Yeah. There's, that a, makes there's sense. a certain respect that you have for other people's views that it just doesn't get nasty between the two of you. Because I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, now, it's not like you're down in a basement someplace, you know, espousing your views on the Internet. I can't get at you. But here I can get at somebody, which I never do. That's the key is everything's so close here. Yeah. You have to you have to basically own up to who you are in public yeah. uh, with the people you interact with. When you when we watch the news and it just seems to be getting more polarized and more crazy and more down and dirty every day, how do you take who people in Habit of Grace are and, and show Americans that we have to do that as a country? 
or do we? No, I don't think it matters anymore because people are so fixed in their views. You know, most of the news, you look at one one news station, it's anti. Everything is anti. Joe Biden could cure cancer and they'd gripe about that he wouldn't cure the common cold. But the other station, you know, Joe Biden cured cancer, it would be a big deal. Last week, I just did two television stations for three days to see what the lead-in story would be. One station for three straight days. It was uh, Governor Cuomo and his picadillos. The other three days, two were the uh, two were the thing in Texas with the uh, people freezing to death, and the other one was the stimulus package. So that shows you a lot. Habit of Grace seems to be doing a really good job in a difficult time. We still get along. We still talk to our neighbors. We still yeah. care about improving the town, you know, whether it's picking up trash on Saturdays or volunteering to be on a board with a museum. Everybody seems to find a way to love Habit of Grace and in that sense, love our community. I feel like when I watch the news and I watch the news a lot, I'm a news junkie. Everything that has to do with loving who we are seems pretty hollow at the moment. When I hear the words patriotic, I kind of cringe because it usually means something that I don't want to have anything to do with. And so I'm just wondering, what can Americans learn from what people in Habit of Grace do or what people in other small towns do? How can we come out of this funk that we are in in on on the national scale? Because people seem so healthy uh, in a small town. Before this recording, I counted, I have lived in 15 places and I've moved households 33 times in my lifetime. Living in Habit of Grace, I've really been humbled because I see people who invest in relationships with people they've had their whole lives. They actually invest in keeping that relationship going I feel like we need to we need to capture some of that and clone it or something and, and learn from it. Yeah. Have you ever thought I ha- can't stand this place? I'm leaving. I've had it. No. <laughs> I, I, maybe when I was a kid, you know, graduating from high school, you know, I'm never coming back and all this kind of stuff. I might be guilty there, but I've never had a desire to actually leave here. It's it's like to me. Every almost every day is a high school reunion because I see somebody I graduated from high school with. We have one every 10 years or something, which is getting smaller and smaller. But nevertheless, that's just time. But you go to brunch once a month or pre-COVID, you'd go to brunch once a month. We would. uh, No, we'd go to breakfast. Whatever. I would have (laughs) go to breakfast and we'd have the same little cadre of about 15 people who graduated from high school and for various reasons, either stayed here or moved away and then came back here and we get together and I see them frequently on the streets. Not so much now because of COVID, but I did. I could go up your street from your house all the way down to the bay and tell you who lived in each house. I know. That's why, that's why I wanted to talk to you today. (laughs) (laughs) Buzzword one is memories. That's familiarity. When you get 80, that's what you cling to. Right, but Tyler, you decided to live here, and there's got to be something about it that brought you here. But yeah, dad, dad, and and that was that were a big part of it. Um, yeah. And uh, the the job I got offered at the lock house was also a big part of it. It was just beautiful, and and liked having grace, but I didn't love it. It was the place that my dad lived, their mother, you know, my aunt. It was the place where my family was. There wasn't any internal pride until I moved here and established roots, and I got involved. And here. You were somebody. 
Yeah, here, exactly. Here, people know, poke my head in a shop and be like, hey, Alex, what's up? <laughs> jeans on sale? Or, you know. Yeah, for instance, today, I stopped at coffee and get, get a cup of coffee. But, I, I went in and the lady said, oh, your son was in here Saturday. Yeah, meaning me. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Exactly. But you, you don't get that in the city. When was the last time somebody, other than a bar that you frequent? Yeah. You just go, oh, your son was in here Saturday. I guess. You you wouldn't stop coming into my shop or stop saying hi to me because I was I voted a different way or we didn't agree about something because we have that connection we have we have all these hellos how are you doing all these conversations the that make it more important to, to stay friends with me than wh- who I voted for or what I don't, what kind of, what I, I don't care who you voted. I don't care who you voted for let's take social social media for instance there's a few people who post only local people who post political stuff. And that's all I know them. I don't, they're, you know, they're never outside. I don't see them in the community. So the only thing I know about them is, you know, he or she, let's, for example, is violently pro-Trump. That's the only thing I know about them. But people like us who are in a small town, who are out in the community and have accountability and, and, and sort of an obligation to treat with respect because we, we interact each day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a lot more than a Democrat. You're a lot more, there's, there's more interesting stuff about you than how you think politically in my humble opinion but you know you see these people all the time and and to you they're, they're so much more than who they voted for or and because right. it's a small town and you interact a lot more often than you do in a big city you feel uh, a connection with people despite even if you have political differences yeah and you take a certain pride because i have the the, uh, the benefit of 80 years of hindsight you know, when I was a kid, there was no waterfront. Oh, there was a waterfront, but it wasn't developed. And now you see how it's developed and people want to live here. People come here. It gives you a sense of pride. Like, for instance, let's say you're walking down the street and you, you look and you, you see the, the Christmas trees down Washington Street lit up or the trees lit up in Christmas time. And it looks beautiful. And you just think, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so proud to be, you know, in a place that does this. And I know the guys who put the lights up and I know exactly. the councilmen. I see them in the coffee shop or I see exactly. them. You could say the whole town is a neighborhood. I never thought about how decisions were made with whether it would be trash pickup or cleaning up a park when I lived in a big city, because yeah. that were, those were decisions that someone very far away from me that I didn't know their name made. It never occurred to me that I could have input. And here, everybody yeah. can have input. And, and take the police, for instance. Back in Baltimore, you don't seek out the police to make friends with and you, and you don't wave to the police and you don't. You're but right. For two summers, I had a summer job. My boss was the chief of police and in, in building next door was the jail. I had to come to work at like 530 in the morning. I'm 10, 12, 13 years old and feed the prisoners, get them an egg salad sandwich and a cup of coffee every morning. Well, Most that's of- interesting because you were on a first name basis with the police and the prisoners. Yeah, well, some of them I knew. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like break me out of here, Bucky. Each, each, <laughs> each town had their drunks, you know, and sometimes they'd end up in there. I could name them, but I'm not going. To. <laughs> but, uh, but there was no Pennington Avenue, so I would have to walk. To, there, there were railroad tracks, right? There. It was a big hole in the ground. The jail was next, right next door to the opera house, and uh, uh, probably about 1951, 52. What about parts of Havre de Grace history that are painful? Today, we're celebrating the 56th anniversary of Bloody Sunday in Selma, Alabama. 
And you read the history of that, and it is painful as an American to read. Habit of Grace was segregated also. Habit of Grace had segregated schools. Surely there are things in Habit of Grace history that are painful to remember. How do you deal with that? And do you and your people that you grew up with, do you ever talk about painful parts of Habit of Grace history? No, never <laughs> talk about it. See, the difference, there was segregation. I never went to school with a black person, but I played with black kids all the time. So you, if you have to separate the two, you know, I'm, I mean, when we would, like I said, told before we leave, play ball, there'd be black guys, white guys, you know, we just play, we played together. So from the eyes of somebody that's 10, 12 years old, we didn't get into the political aspects of segregation. We just played for them. Played didn't, you, them. didn't you wonder though? Why do they have to, why, you know, after Probably. playing Little League, Little League Baseball all summer, then all of a sudden, little Johnny has to go to this school while you're going, you were going to that school. Not when I'm 10 or 12. It I just never occurred to me. Yeah. But in later life, then I see the, the situation. You know, when I got away, when I went away to college, is the first thing that opened my eye. But here, that's just the way it was. You know, you, you'd see him downtown. I'd go to their house, knock on the door. Can so-and-so come out to play today, you know? In the black neighborhood, they had neighborhoods, but uh, you know it was uh, we just interacted as kids. So there's no. Uh, I never had any problem. You know, we didn't have any marches. We didn't have any. Uh, you know, there, any riots? Or, no, no, no. <clears throat> yeah. No, we uh, we interacted well. I'll put it that way. But you guys don't talk about stuff like that no. when you get together at the coffee shop. Or, <laughs> no. Yeah. I've, no. I've had the honor and uh, um, of sitting in on these conversations. And it's usually about mem- it's always fond memories. Um, yeah. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you remember the time little Johnny was segregated? It's, yeah. But it, it's always fun and they just laugh. And I guess that in a small town, you don't want to, you just bring up good, bring, bring up good memories. Yeah, well, my little league manager was black. But there you go. Having listened to the conversations and sat at the coffee table and Java, by the, Java by the Bay. Yeah. Every Friday they used to go pre-COVID. Uh, Pre-COVID. Yeah. And it'd be dad and like four or five ladies that he went to graduate high school with. And it was just talking about sock hops and uh, yeah. just ridiculous Norman Rockwell stuff that you thought didn't really exist except in Norman Rockwell's. So I, I have yet to hear anybody broach a difficult subject as far as, you know, tough times or stuff. I've heard people approach about individual, like, oh, she has cancer or there's no, no societal woes are discussed. Maybe we're just surface people. We don't dive <laughs> into, you know, uh, the philosophical be. aspects of politics of the United States now, which you know, I just choose to ignore them. I can't do anything about it anyway. Oh, I envy you. I have to tell you, I envy you. I, I, I am such a news junkie that I just can't stop thinking of that we've got to figure out a way out of this hole. And uh, I'm very thankful that I live in Habit of Grace because I feel like, it sounds trite, but I feel like my neighbors show me how to be a good person every day. Living in a small town seems to remind me to always care because you can't stop caring when you live in a small town. You can stop caring when you live in a big city. Yeah. You, can, you can decide not to go out out of your house that day and nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to wonder where. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to notice. If your car is not out front, nobody's going to be like, wow, I haven't seen Wanda's car in a week. I hope she's okay. Exactly. 
no one's life is going to be affected if you don't say hello to them when you walk into the store. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. I had a friend of mine who's passed away now. But anyway, he had this old doll named Jake. And he would go for walks with Jake. But sometimes Jake would wander around. And then he lived on uh, Market Street. Somebody up on Otsego Street would see Jake. They know who Jake belonged to. They would call him up. Hey, I've got Jake. He wandered up here. So they'd bring Jake home. Then a fireman would see Jake over on Warren Street someplace. Hey, here's Jake. You want him back? You know, that kind of thing. They knew the dog and who the owner was. <laughs> well, maybe the answer is not what can what can places like Havre de Grace bring to the uh, to the rest of us. Maybe it's everybody else needs to move to places like Havre de Grace. And, and a lot of people are. A lot of people let's are. Let's out the big cities and put them in small towns across the country. Well, a lot of people are finding, from what I have seen around town, a lot of people are finding this is a, a good retirement destination. Mm-hmm. I've talked to three or four people from my walking around town, bumping into them. Questions I ask is, why did you get, or how did you get here? Why did you get here? If I was a, a young parent, this is the kind of place I'd want to raise my children in, for sure. I was going to say, that's there's a lot more young people moving in and seeking places downtown, you know, historic hounds. And it's nice to see an influx of families. You know, I love seeing kids playing on the park and walk, walking by me with babies in their stroller. And I, I know who they are and I could stop and goo goo gaga. And again, that part of that is that in a big city, I just keep my eyes forward, mind my own business. But it's almost as if I feel obligated to stop and goo goo gaga. Uh, and I love it. That's a, an obligation I welcome. But in a big city, you're not obligated to engage with your neighbors, your fellow citizens. Well, where friends, here you are. My daughter, when she moved to Haverty Grace, had friends visitor and two of the friends that have visitors have relocated from other places in the state here because they liked it when they came and visited i I remember when i a couple years ago i had my friend reed visited and we were walking down this downtown and i was just waving every car that passed he's like do you know them i was like i don't know but if i do i want to make sure i wave to them (laughs) so i was waving i waved every single car just in case i know the person (laughs) i still do i still do (laughs) That's hilarious. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I think people are going to love listening to this. And I've learned a lot. I've learned that I need to invite all my friends to come live in small towns. I think that's going to wrap up our program for today. Thank you all for listening. Again, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitchers, and Apple Podcasts. And follow our blog at savetheworldeveryday.com. Please stay healthy and safe and remember to wear that mask. Thank you, and till next time.